0: From New Dog Media and Phoenix 5th, it's the Settle Smarter Podcast.
1: You're looking for ways to drive creativity and initiative. Those are all things that make future leaders. Even if the idea itself wasn't the right one at the right time, doesn't matter. It's worth doing.
2: If you ever feel like a hamster inside of a wheel running a sprint inside of a marathon, While balancing on top of a teeter-totter, this podcast is for you. Welcome to Settle Smarter with me, Dana Look Arimoto.
0: Hey, Smart Settlers, producer Paul here. This week's guest is Teresa Creech, CEO and head wave maker at Talent Wave, where she's created the industry's best team to influence the independent workforce transformation. Her life and work experience bring us a no-nonsense interview filled with life lessons and great takeaway tools.
2: Welcome back to the Subtle Smarter Podcast with me, your hostess, I don't know about the mostest, but today, what brings out the most of me is someone that I am honored to call a true and dear friend, who happens to wear so many hats I cannot count them, and I shall not count them. However, they include things like CEO, and mom, and wife, and sister, and friend, and daughter, and role model. I would add to that list and mentor. Welcome, Teresa. Thank you, Dana. I'm honored. It's so cool to have you here. We've wanted to do this for a while. Yeah, we have. So you are brave enough and multidimensional enough and have agreed and actually co-created with me in our pre-show that we would go through all five facets today. Bring it on. All right, here we go. So just to remind you, smart settlers, the five facets are career, family, friendships, society, and also your own well-being and so Teresa spends time in each of those five I've watched her do it I've had a front row seat and we've worked together and we've known each other Teresa since how long 18 years 18 years and you know we pray for at least another I don't know 36 more is that putting it out there sounds good I will double down on that relationship. So we're going to talk about all five facets and how you choose to spend time in each. And also, um, during the pre-show, Teresa talked about when too much is too much. I'm going to attribute that quote to her. And we're going to dive into knowing when too much is too much. And to start that part of Teresa's journey, we're going to start with something that not everyone knows Teresa's gracious enough to share some of her story behind the story with us. And that's really important for you podcast listeners to take note of your own personal story and how you got where you are today so you can get where you want to go and making those work-life integration choices. Teresa, tell us a little bit about being a fire survivor and and maybe when that happened.
1: Sure. In fact, it happened not long before we met, Dana. I was... 27 at the time, um, sitting in our backyard of the first home we ever owned as a married couple, having a great little evening, wine, candles, you know the whole fun, whole fun youth bit that we were doing in those days, and we had uh, for a myriad of reasons an actual gasoline explosion happen in our backyard, um, and I happened to be sitting in the middle of it and and had to run to exit through uh, the flames. And although my life was never in danger, it was a pretty traumatic event in that I spent uh, most of a month in the burn unit. I spent a number of months uh, in a wheelchair. I spent two years in burn garments Um, and just a lot of, went through a lot of emotional changes around that event it's 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 one of it's it's a very strange feeling to feel like you're in a situation where something like that never happens let alone would it ever happen to me and then once you've had a really strange thing happen like that then you think well strange things happen to people all the time <laughs> so maybe I'm not as uh protected as I thought I was. So uh, yeah, that event was a a big life changer for me.
2: And when it comes to the five facets of life, as I understand it from the journey you've been on, it really changed the way you perceived the way you spent your time and energy. Can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, let's do the career one first, because I think it's um, easier in some ways. I happen to be one of these folks who probably was on the verge of too driven, if you know what I mean. I, I do believe in people being ambitious and going at their pace and, and, you know, running their sprint the way they want to run their sprint. That said, I was also the kid that was dying to get out of school early and, you know, managed to get myself uh youthful ulcer from a little too much stress, and 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 being the person that really didn't ever forgive a lack of perfection in yourself, in myself, and and the fire really changed that. You, uh, I ended up in a place where I made different decisions around what was critical, what was important, um, and. It allowed me to be vulnerable with peer groups, uh, people that managed me, people I managed in saying, look, this particular thing, whatever it is, scares me or it can't be done on this time, but I can get it done in this time. Uh, I'm going to get it here to you and it's probably going to look like 85 percent great and the 15 percent needs input. I know I need input and I'm okay. Saying, I don't know that. Can you help me with that? And so that sort of vulnerability really was much easier for me after the fire in some ways. And just the sense of you you can't do it all and things get in the way. And the and the other really weird one on that front is feeling like you're in in whatever your job you're in, if you were, if you were like me, I thought, wow, everything's gonna fall apart if I just disappear. Well, I disappeared for a month on nobody's notice, right? Went into a burn unit where no one could even speak to me. And you know what happened? The world did not blow up. People stepped up, people helped, the team came together. Um, so it, there was a lot of really valuable lessons there, including just maybe maybe knock, knocking me, this sounds weird, knocking me down in a good way, knocking me down a notch, Um the other world change was in the on the family side, of course. And um, on the family side, pre-fire, we did not have kids yet. We had thought we would probably wait a couple more years to have children. Somehow I managed to get pregnant, not somehow, I think I know how, um, but like two months after I came out of the hospital because everything about what we had gone through just took this notion of what is family and what is important. And it, and it was like in your face. And so uh, we, we pivoted hard on starting a family younger and sooner than we thought we would. Um, It was a fantastic thing to do. And then some of the same lessons that I had about not being a super worker and not being super mom and not being super wife, um, but just being, you know, good at those things uh, were definitely in an you know, application to, um, to family on a minor note, but I find it a comical one. I was a hell of a lot less scared of childbirth after being burned up.
2: <laughs> I'm sort of laughing as a mom and a friend and <laughs> someone who's laid on Teresa's couch. I don't want to tell you how many times cause she gives great advice. She really does have sage wisdom Her relativity of where that wisdom comes from, which she's sharing with you all now, those of you who are listening that don't know her, some of you certainly will, many of you won't, you need to understand that the stage wisdom is coming from this journey she's sharing with us and that relativity of perspective of literally going through a fire. Many of us talk about that literally though, going through the fire to get where she is today and she is calm and cool and collected under just about every circumstance so does that calm cool collected ability to lead also come from that perspective
1: i think that's part of it yes it certainly what's worth real fear what's worth real excitement what's worth real trepidation real feeling real any of those things when you figure out some what real looks like on the other end it keeps it keeps a level of perspective Um, that you want to think you developed all naturally, but sometimes you didn't. And in in my case, it's definitely a combination of something I've worked on for a lot of years with coaches and mentors and others. Um, But it was underscored after that event.
2: Yeah. Real life happens, doesn't it? Yeah. So so keeping on the real with you, let's talk about the rest of your facets we touched a little on career and family inside of the context of your perspective having come through the fire and survived and really taken those lessons and applied them how would you also say that affects your friendships
1: so this I don't want this to sound um, or be misinterpreted but the older I get less is more and by less is more I don't mean I don't want to have lots of great friends. I do want to have lots of great friends, but the definition of great friends and where I can spend my time and where it makes sense to give of myself and to uh, in the same soak up someone else, it just becomes more selective. That's the, that's the biggest message. Um, and, And I feel like the older I get, the more i have a beautiful wonderful set of acquaintances that i get to socialize with and and spend time with and and all of those times have really great great moments and cherished memories but then friendship has a, a different kind of core to your soul meaning that gets more soulful the older you get, and that group becomes very, very obvious as to who they are. And we have each other in a different way than, than we had our friends in college or whatever uh, early adulthood looked like. You know, it's just a different, just a different place. So while I say less is more in quantity, it's the absolute opposite in quality.
2: What a great way of explaining the trade-off. Right. You trade off a little bit of that quantity in exchange for that quality that you, you beautifully said it. I want to say it again. And I would love our listeners to spend a few minutes put in where they give and I'm going to use Teresa's word, soak up someone else. You said soak up someone else. And I just, I don't know. I love the way you said that because I know I soak up your advice and your wisdom and I listen ears eyes everything every part of me listens when you give advice that I seek out and the giving is equally important as the receiving soaking it up so for our listeners today in order to settle smarter in whatever time you want to spend in friendships we don't care right Teresa yeah we don't care that's up to you where are you both giving and soaking up those friendships, giving and receiving, and write it down for yourself. You may surprise yourself with your list. Most of you know who have read the book in chapter three when I talk about toxic relationships. I do talk about giving up some of those quote unquote friendships yeah. because they actually were toxic. I was actually giving and not soaking up anything other than stress and a stomach ache. So take that time. All right, let's talk about society and community and giving back. And I don't know, however you define it for yourself, it might be church. Talk to us about how that piece of your life and that facet is affected by this perspective that you have on your journey. So first
1: of all, this facet is the one that right now I'm probably struggling with the most in terms of um, making the appropriate Time to make me feel good about it. I don't mean appropriate by anyone else's standards. I mean, to make me feel good about it, making that time, um, finding the right way to do it, the right uh, places to put attention to where on the other end of it, I feel like it was meaningful all the way around. Um, I'm struggling the most with this one. And I'll tell you why. Um, When My children were little, or not even little, just when my children were home, for those of you that I don't know, my kiddos are both in college, and so they're away, but when they were here, we had all kinds of things that we were involved in by extension to them. Um, They were both very involved with our church so, were were we in terms of youth events and youth activities, um, making sure that that group was properly supported, and although we we still do some of those things in some small ways, it's not it's not the same as when we had that constant pull and that really uh, deep closeness. So, so some of that has to do with that. Um, I. Do, and balance this out a little bit, though, Um, in some ways, for me, the the core purpose of the industry that I accidentally fell into and happened to love, staffing, does have a give back component that makes me feel good and fulfilled. Um, And, you know, I started my career elsewhere. and When I finally moved over here, I really do believe in in the purpose we play and in the goodness that we play and in a backdrop like COVID 2020, it becomes even more evident, even more clear. So I, I take some joy from that, not enough, but, but some joy from uh, still being able to do some things like that.
2: You're known to integrate these things into corporate culture and businesses and companies and boards that you sit on. Can you tell one of your favorite stories about some example where you were able to blend in and integrate giving back? Something come to mind for you? I would
1: be happy to because it's one of my favorite things that we do in our company. I actually started it at my previous company and and brought it here because I loved it so much. And the goal of this was to really drive a sense of giving back, a sense of community, a sense of connectedness, because when we work on something good for the world and we work on that together, our bond is bigger than coworker, right? So there's a lot of really good benefits there. And then on a really pragmatic business note, which, Dana, you know, I always have a pragmatic business component to most of these things. I wanted the teams to have cross functional relationships, so not intra team, but inter team, and they were working on their ability to communicate publicly. So I divided the team into companies. These teams were, let's call them, anywhere between seven and 10 people. We as a company funded them some upfront money and said, you pick your particular cause, your particular group that you want to work on. And I want you all to go do whatever you want to make the biggest impact you can on that particular group. And then you're going to bring it back and you're going to share it with the whole company. So we did that at Mm -hmm. uh, all hands events. They all got to share those things. And it was amazing to see, not only did they make big impacts financially and otherwise, but the teams that had never worked together before were friends. I mean, we had we had people crying because they were so touched at what they were able to do and how they were able to do it. And on the other end of it, because I made them present their story, they got hyper-creative. And so we also spent hours just laughing about the way they were telling their stories because they were so good. I mean, it those days, and we try and do them once a year Um those days have a huge lasting impact a lots, in lots of
2: ways, actually. For some of the listeners that aren't necessarily in a leadership role, they aspire to be, can you give them one more specific on an example of how they could actually expect that to turn out? Like something that actually somebody worked on in their group of seven to 10. Can you tell us one of those? Anonymize as you see fit, but can you give us one of those examples?
1: Yeah, I sure can. So the the last round we did, we had things from uh, clean water to um, feeding America to um, women returning to the workforce. And in every case, they felt like they got to make and see a real impact, which was part of this. So um, the women returning to work groups, for example, would be personally involved with the handoff of clothing, you know, in that particular case. And, you know, that like the more they could be involved that way, the better. We had one group, and this is a couple couple years back, um, where they were doing a, a, a hurricane relief um, effort. And they actually had a family come in and speak. And then we ate all kinds of food from from their uh, kind of native city. So, you know, there's there's lots of ways they can make this real. But the more you see firsthand the impact of what you're doing, the better every time.
2: And the more you see the impact, the more the impact carries forward. It's almost like paying it forward, wouldn't you say?
1: I would. I would. They and And again, put your pragmatic business hat on. So now you've just... Um, you You feel great because you've made an impact on on someone or something that really needed help. Um, but you've driven loyalty to the to your team. You've driven a cultural element which cannot be underestimated as to the importance in the company in terms of driving driving cultural response. And as you think about attraction strategies, when we look and think about millennials entering the workforce, this sense of importance that companies spend time, effort, energy, and dollars giving back is a huge attractor to great talent as well. So all of these amazing goodness, all these amazing things with lots of goodness actually drive goodness in a really practical way too.
2: So Let's stick with goodness for a minute. And so if a millennial is listening right now who doesn't manage a team, they're not responsible for a team and maybe perhaps are not in a, an executive leadership role like yourself, what would you say to them in bringing an idea like this into their own organization? How would they even start sharing that they heard about this and they'd like to try to get this rolling? What would you tell them? How would you empower them with goodness?
1: So I... I actually think I'm going to blend this one, too, because I think the piece I encourage folks a lot to think about is being proactive in sharing your ideas. Now, that comes with an element of your idea is not always going to get a yes. Sometimes your idea is going to get a head nod. Sometimes your idea is going to get a really confused look. And sometimes it's going to get a not right now all those things are okay but having that proactive approach to bring it forward shows a huge amount of skills that that frankly most of us in leadership are looking for because you're thinking you're expanding and and you're you're looking for ways to drive creativity and initiative those are all things that make future leaders even if the idea itself wasn't quite the right one at the right time, doesn't matter. It's worth doing. Now, that said, for all you managers, I'm not encouraging people to bring you new ideas every single week, but I do think open-mindedness and really taking a moment to reward initiative and creative thinking um, ultimately pays off in huge ways.
2: So well-being, your own well-being, talk to us about that coming from that perspective that you have from surviving the fire to today, all those years ago?
1: So well-being is one of those things where I don't know about you, Dana, but the journey around well-being over the last seven to eight months has been really challenging in a lot of ways. And there have been moments of, you know, whatever, comfort food is fine <laughs> to, to know I need to walk. I need to walk every day because it's what keeps me sane to be outside in the fresh air. And then, you know, in California here, we had fires on top of that and then that stopped exercising outside. And, and I, it's, it's just been a real challenge trying to find what works. And so for me, I've focused on a couple things. One is having options, having lots of different things. So, I've got um, some apps that help me uh, and and give me some some ways to tackle well being, in particular as it relates to exercise. I've got everything from a seven minute workout to an hour one, which basically means do I want to be able to walk up and down the stairs the next day or not? Um, We've got lovely, you know, walking trails where where I live, and now that it's less smoky and less hot, we're enjoying we're enjoying that. The one that, frankly, I, I know exercise seems like the obvious one, but the one that I have been personally challenged with the most during COVID, which I've never been challenged with before, is sleep. Um, I'm an excellent sleeper. If you're a 25-year road warrior like I am, you don't survive that very easily without knowing how to sleep and being able to sleep well. And I think there's a combination between stress, overthinking, uncertainty, and frankly, I hate to admit at my age, uh, that is causing sleep to be more challenging. So right now, my, my personal focus is How am I going to get better at shutting down the the overthinking process so that I can relearn that kind of sleep skill that I've always had so naturally?
2: That's a tough one for a lot of our listeners. It's certainly been a tough one for me for the last 20 years. I've talked about that before and given some tips and tricks and tools and traps to avoid. So we will continue to work on our sleep and we will continue Uh, to encourage others to figure out the best ways to get that rest because we all know regeneration happens then and there Mm. yeah thank you well that was an incredible five facet sprint not to dishonor we don't want people sprinting inside of marathons but for today's show we did sprint through that and you shared so much great advice and insight and heart and now i want to move into fact versus fiction are you ready I am ready. Okay. Fact versus fiction. If you don't bring it forward, you can't pay it forward. If you don't bring it forward, you can't pay it
1: forward. I think that's fiction.
2: I agree. All ideas are good ideas all the time. (laughs) That is absolutely fiction. (laughs) I promise I'll get to a fact at some point. (laughs) Or not. Okay. Trick question. The word appropriate is personal.
1: Um, that can't be a factor of fiction. There are things that are inappropriate regardless, and we're all seeing a ton of them right now. I mean, we're living through the most challenging time uh, we could imagine on lots of fronts. So I do think there is a level of appropriateness. I think you can have a personal appropriateness about certain topics. You know, how appropriate is it that I feel... Bad about the fact that I didn't get a run-in today, right? That's it's a, a personal appropriateness scale. But, you know, the things that are happening in the world, that's a whole different story. So I think it's actually both.
2: You are not one to be stumped in any round, it's clear. So we're going to put you up against the top winners of Fact v. Fiction. I'm telling you, it's coming. That's an episode for next year. Stay tuned. All right. Fact versus fiction. We must forgive ourselves the lack of perfection. Absolute fact. Fact, double fact, triple fact. And not everyone has to learn the hard way the way you did to get that.
1: Maybe it's just someone that did learn the hard way tells them (laughs) and they just try it. The way I work with the folks that I tend to mentor is, well, just try it. Not okay. You won't get it right every time, but just try it this
2: once, try and let it go this once, see what happens. So this is an incredible segue for the quote that we found together. So Teresa didn't come like many of our guests with some, you know, quote that's been with her for the ages or that is her inspiration or her daily musing or whatever. And I love the authenticity about Teresa. It's one of the things I love most about you is just you are yourself. And we found this quote together, which says, by an unknown author, the best way to get things done is simply to begin and you just said that just try it so tell us a little bit more about just trying it where where does that come from that sentiment that you have
1: it probably comes from a lot a lot of places but the but for me it's the the amount of energy we spend thinking through the pre-first step, if I could spend that on the actual journey, the payback might be way better. And that's not to say we shouldn't be thoughtful and deliberate about what we do, but there comes a point for certain people that think like I do, where you go into overthinking mode or circular thinking mode, and you end up just going over what I already know to be true. And so if I could set aside fear or... Just say okay. I am afraid, but I'm still gonna do it. I'm just still gonna do it. Um, you'll you'll make some progress, and no matter what, you'll learn something, even if you didn't necessarily learn what you thought you wanted to learn. So I'm a pretty big fan of get your thoughts together, be sure and be deliberate, but then move.
2: And when you say then move, that's without perfection
1: it's absolutely without perfection if you wait until you believe it's perfect you will you may ultimately turn out something that's close to perfect but you'll be the last one there and there's so much i've learned this the hard way too there's so much more you learn from the skinned knees on the way that your your end product might end up being 5 times better because you learned those things that you could have only learned by the skin knees on the way. So for me, that again, goes back to that. Be, be practical, be brave to an extent and where you aren't brave. That's okay. People say, I'm not, I'm not super brave, but I'm going to try.
2: And for those of our listeners that aren't feeling brave right now, let's lend them some of our bravery because we have come through different types of fires, yours both literal and figurative, mine more figurative today. So let's close on a note of empowerment and bravery and authenticity. And as you talked about earlier, redefining fear, even redefining excitement, you said earlier, and making it real for you so that you can take that next step forward and just begin.
1: There's a word that I happen to love, which
2: it isn't the sexiest word in the
1: world, but for me, it's just, it's acceptance. And what I mean by that is, accept where you are in the moment, accept that you're doing something with a little fear in one part of your head, accept that you're doing it with a certain amount of confidence and that's okay too. Confidence is not a bad thing, That's a message directly to women, please. Confidence is not a bad thing. Accept that, you know, accept that you are probably not gonna get it all right, but if you can get it mostly right and learn and pivot and be flexible along the way, it's worth it. So just accept what it is so that you can move forward.
2: And we're gonna close on a note of acceptance and incredible gratitude. For this guest, this beautiful friend of mine, Teresa, who has taught everyone in such a short amount of time in today's show how to accept themselves and then and therefore others.
1: Thank you, Dana, for having me.
0: Producer Paul here, just letting you know we're heading to the end of our first season soon. Just a couple more episodes, and we want to thank all of you for subscribing, telling your friends about the show, and staying in touch with us. We've had a great launch this year, and been added recently to Pandora, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and just about everywhere. The show was produced by New Dog Media, in association with Phoenix Fifth, who are solely responsible for the content. Check out the show notes for links to our guest and all of Dana Look Arimoto's work and writing. Our theme music was composed by Paul Godwin, with additional music this week from The Power of Distance by Miguel Noya and Robert Uriendahl, available at newdogrecords.com. For Dana Luke and the entire Settle Smarter team, this is Paul Godwin wishing you a safe and healthy holiday season.